Well, Aloha Mission Church. I love it. You guys don't even have to have me, you know, say, okay, enough. You guys know when to stop. <laughs> this is great. Aloha. So, so good to be here today with you on a Sunday morning. And, and I'm sure this week you all heard the news about Maui. And um, boy, our hearts uh, go out to them. Thank you for everyone who are, are, are who is giving uh, to help with... Uh, the compassionate ministries there. I got an email from the district superintendent, um, Rick Power, and uh, he uh, asked for help. And you know, it's one of the humbling things, right, to ask for help. And, and yet when devastation like that hits, it's so nice to know that people on the other end are there. And so I'm so grateful that you are here and uh, you're participating. For the next two weeks, if you forgot and you didn't bring anything today and you'd like to give, we'll, we'll be receiving for the next two weeks and then Whatever we get, we'll send it on over. And, and if they need more, we'll ask for more. But, um, but join me in prayer for Maui, for Lahaina. The, if you've ever been to Lahaina, it's gone. There's not a building that's left there. So please be in prayer for the, the people, um, the families that, that lost loved ones. And, um, and join me in that for with with, our, with my heart too. So thank you for doing that. Um, we are in, in a sermon series uh, called "Our Stewardship," and and as I have been preparing these sermons uh, during this this sermon series, looking back, I, I wish that I began the sermon series with a more accurate sermon series name instead of calling it "Our Stewardship." I think more accurately, I. I wish I would have added a single word to it and, and called this series Our Biblical Stewardship. Because having a biblical understanding of stewardship really identifies the kind of stewards that, that God is calling us to be, that we, we want to be. And, um, and, and biblical stewardship is unique, right? There is stewardship that goes on outside of the context of how what the Bible teaches. So there's stewardship everywhere that's going on. It's, it's the care for and taking care of, of whatever is entrusted to you. Biblical stewardship is unique and different in that we who believe in biblical stewardship are people who begin with the premise that everything comes from God. That's the unique identifier of what biblical stewardship is. It's, it's, it's not just the understanding that whatever we get from God we need to be caretakers of, okay? That's stewardship. Biblical stewardship begins with the premise that everything comes from God. And so with that understanding of biblical stewardship where everything begins with the premise that God has given us all things, we come to understand then that even the air that we breathe, everybody take a breath. That's a gift from God. The time that we get to spend on earth, that is God's gift to us. And how we use that time, right, is our stewardship of it. And so, even our very lives are gifts that God gives to us. And when that is our position, then our lives are lived in biblical stewardship with God. So, one of the misconceptions that people have 
when you preach a steward, when you preach a, a sermon series or even a sermon on stewardship, right? The moment you say, oh, this is a, a stewardship sermon or a stewardship sermon series, the moment you say that, people always think it's a sermon series about money. More so giving money, right? It's about giving. And, and, and uh, there, there is a, a trifecta of stewardship that, that very uh, pastors often use. It's the three T's of stewardship. You guys know what it is, right? Yeah, you guys know it. I'm not going to go anywhere near those things. All right? Because we've heard those sermons before. Giving your time, your talent, your treasures. And I'm here to tell you today that stewardship is more than a sermon on giving to God. Biblical stewardship is all about living our best life for God. And there's a huge difference there than just a sermon about giving. And what I believe biblical stewardship really means, and that is about living Stewardship is about living. And so last week in my sermon, I said and I talked about biblical stewardship as, as being people in relationship with God, with our things, and with each other. If you, if you don't remember that, I encourage you to watch last Sunday's sermon again. You can go on YouTube or go on our website and you can watch it again. But in that sermon... I talked about how stewardship is really about relationships, our relationship with God and, and, and the stewardship of that, our relationship with things. And last week, the sermon was, was more about generosity and greed and the, and the lessons that we learned from Jesus there. And then our stewardship of the relationships that we have with each other. So I want to expound on that. As we talk about stewardship, biblical stewardship, as it relates to us living instead of just a message about giving. And so, um, what I want to do is take us back to the very beginning. To look at God's intention for stewardship and what he wanted to happen when it came to the relationship that he has with us and our relationship with all things. And so, biblical stewardship first began at the very beginning of the Bible. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open it to Genesis chapter 1. If you have your phones, go ahead and open that up. By the way, our outline today in today's sermon is on the Version Bible. I talked about it last week. I think it might still be in your bulletin. You can click a few buttons, and <laughs> I'm not going to go through it all, but you can find um, Mission Church in the events section of your Version Bible, and um, you will find the outline there. And so, in Genesis chapter 1, we begin to understand God's plan for stewardship. So my sermon today is entitled, The Genesis of Stewardship. And God, in Genesis chapter 1, when he created Adam and Eve, he created them to be stewards, right? To be stewards over all that God created. And there's a story. If, you, if you've read Genesis chapter 1, you know this story. If you haven't read it, let me encourage you. Read it. The, the first three chapters. And, and we'll get a picture of, of the message today. God put everything 
in the hands of Adam and Eve. All that God created, he put in the hands of Adam and Eve to care for it, to be good stewards of it. He gave them authority over all living things and plants and animals, which means they had dominion over it. And I want to read for you Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, on the sixth day, and the account of what the Bible uh, has, shares with us about biblical stewardship. Right? Then God said, in verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the birds and animals. That's why I cut it out. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with it and seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. And it was so. You guys see what's going on here? God just has poured out all of creation and he basically handed it over to Adam and Eve. This is the Genesis account right here. And God's desire then at the start of creation was to have a relationship with Adam and Eve, God as the creator, and people, humanity, as the stewards. And this is what's really interesting. God's desire was not just to hand it off so that humanity could take care of everything. That's not the way God initially intended it. What God intended was to invite Adam and Eve, invite humanity to take part and work with God as we are in relationship with him to care for and to, to, to be stewards over all of creation. God's desire was to work together and accomplish God's plan and God's will and God's plan for stewardship wasn't so much about doing and giving. Again, biblical stewardship was about living in, in this community, in this relationship with God to care for creation, partnering. So God created Adam and Eve in his image, right? We find that in the Bible. And the reason God created mankind in his image was so that we could reflect the image of God back into creation. That was God's beautiful plan. And so that he would receive glory and honor in all of creation. So our partnership then with God is that he invited us to be involved in all that he was doing. And the invitation to be involved wasn't, wasn't just um, 
you know, finding something to, for us to do. I mean, it was intricately involved. If you, if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, when God created everything, all of creation, do you know what God did? He brought Adam in and he says, Adam, I got a job for you. I want you to name every animal. How cool would that be, right? That God invites us to, to take part in naming all the animals. I've always wondered how a capybara got its name. Adam looked at things and said, that looks so weird. Uh, I'll call it a capybara. There you go. That's how it, no, I don't know how it all happened, but, but when you read the creation story, that's what it, God brought Adam in to name the animals. Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Wow. How cool is that? The invitation that God gives to humanity to partner with him in being stewards of all that God created. This, to me, shows God's heart and the relationship that he desires with his people to partner with humanity and then to steward all of creation. But sadly, if you read and continue to read through the Genesis account of creation, the story of rebellion and sin come into the picture, right? The story, that story and, and what happened damaged the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. And the consequences of sin was very, very real. The consequences of their rebellion, not only did it damage and destroy the relationship that humanity had with God, but when we read the account of Genesis, the relationship that humanity has with creation was severely impacted. And then, the relationship that we have with each other also terribly impacted by the consequences of rebellion and sin. And we're going to take a look at all of this. You see, God made Adam and Eve in his image, right? It says that, that God created them in his image, male and female. He created them. And he created them, Adam and Eve, in his image, so that as they cared for creation, they would reflect the glory of God, the character of God, back into creation. And, and when Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned against God, instead of being good stewards, they turned and believed a lie. And then the image of God in them was marred. And so they could not reflect the image of God into this beautiful creation that God had given them stewardship over. Now, instead of being good stewards and obeying God's plan, Adam and Eve were deceived. And instead of believing what God had called them to do, they believed the lie of the serpent 
And this is, this is the problem, church, with what happened back then. And believe it or not, the same problem exists even till this day. God had given generously to Adam and Eve. Everything they could ever imagine or want. Let's take a look at it. God created them in his image to reflect his glory. In the account that we read, God said, I'm going to bless you. Be fruitful and multiply. And then God said, and every living thing on earth, whether it's an animal or a plant or a fish in the sea, you have rule over it. I give you dominion over it. Everything. Everything. Adam and Eve had everything. And but when the serpent came, the lie of the serpent was you don't have enough. You really need more. You need to be more like God. And so that you can know everything that God knows between good and evil and right and wrong. And instead of being content and obedient to what God desires. They believe the lie. And the lie is that we always need more. We always need more. And today, that's, that's what people believe. Always, always striving for more. It's never enough. And that's the lie the devil will whisper in all of our ears. More is better. Listen, listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree, any tree uh, eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, She knew this. Look at this. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve, they had it all. They had it all. But they believed the lie that made them want more. And instead of obedience, They chose rebellion. And the fallout from that, having had it all, the fallout is they lost it all. They lost it all. And so, the important thing, the most important thing that Adam and Eve lost in this rebellion and in this sin and in in believing this lie, the most important thing that they lost was this real, close, and intimate relationship that they had with God. That's the most important thing. And church, that is exactly what sin does in our lives and our relationship with God. It separates us from God. And you can see this clearly when you read the Bible. Do you remember what happened after Adam and Eve sinned, and God came to the garden looking for them, what did Adam and, do, Adam and Eve do? I hear you. They hid. You know why? Sin separates. They knew that they messed up. 
oh, here comes God. Let's not be seen by him. Because that's what sin does. Sin separates us. It's not God that withdrew from them. They withdrew from God. And so, sin separates us from God. And sin separates us from the good that God desires in us and for us as well. But not only does the consequences of sin damage our relationship with God, another consequence was that sin broke the the relationship that Adam and Eve had with creation. I hear this sometimes. People say, oh, Gordon, my sin doesn't affect anybody but me. That's another lie of the devil. It's another lie. Sin is a problem in our relationship with God. But when you read the Bible, sin also impacts so many other people and other things. The impact of sin reached far beyond Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the fallout was huge. Listen to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Because of their sin, this is what the Bible said, cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Their sin cursed the ground. And the consequences of that was that they lost relationship with creation the way God intended it. God never intended for them to toil and and, and by the sweat of their brow eke out an existence on earth. That wasn't God's plan. But because of sin, God's plan didn't apply anymore. And the consequences of that was that we today all live with this consequence. That we labor and we toil to, to, to live our lives. Sin changed the relationship people had with creation. Sin impacted people's relationship with God. It impacted people's relationship with creation. And then, this is easy, sin impacted the stewardship of relationship that we have with each other. Right? You see it clearly in Adam and Eve when they were confronted by their sin, by their rebellion, by their poor choices in life. What did they do? You all know. Adam said, it was her fault. And then Eve said, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. And it was just a passing of blame from one person to the other. And you know what? We're so good at following examples, aren't we? (laughs) So in our world today, what do we do when we have problems? No one ever says, my bad, right here, I messed up. We don't do that. 
Instead, what do we do in this world? We blame, 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 blame. Just turn on the TV and watch the news. All it is is blaming people for all the problems that go on in this world and all that we're doing is following the example that was left to us in the garden when the relationship between people and the stewardship of the relationship with people was thrown out because of sin. And so, church, (laughs) this is the good part of the sermon. (laughs) This is when we kind of shift the page, we shift the, the perspective. And instead of looking just at Genesis, at the genesis of stewardship, let's look at the example that God really desired for us in stewardship. And for that, we turn to Jesus, obviously. Our prime example for stewardship is Jesus. And and when we look at it in the relationships that we've been talking about, our relationship with God, our relationship with things, and our relationship with one another, it's so clear that Jesus was the best example, is the best example for our lives. Jesus, in his relationship with God, was faithful which is something that Adam and Eve failed to be. In fact, everything that Adam and Eve fell short in, Jesus redeems and gives us the example that we need to follow. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, Jesus was faithful in his relationship with God. Jesus lived in obedience to God, not questioning God, not not, not believing a lie or a falsehood or something that, that made Jesus want more. Jesus was tempted for more. Matthew chapter 4, when, when the devil came, with the same temptation that the devil gave to Adam and Eve, the temptation of more, Jesus said no to each one. I'm not going to go through each of them, but you know, right? You can read Matthew chapter 4, it's there. And instead of wanting more of anything else, Jesus just wanted more of God and the relationship that he had with God. Oh. And in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That's the relationship Jesus has with God the Father. He's obedient. He follows God's plan and God's direction and God's will and doesn't do things on his own. Jesus was everything that Adam and Eve were not. Jesus followed through in his relationship with God. Sin never entered into it, and the relationship never was broken, even through difficult and challenging things that Jesus faced. He remained faithful. But in his relationship with the things of this world, oh, this is a great example. (laughs) Jesus was never 
without wanting more of anything, right? What did Jesus have? Think think through your mind. What were some of the things that Jesus had in this world? Can you think of any? He had 12 disciples. Did he have a sweet chariot with flames and rims? No. Did he even have a house to live in? What does the Bible say? Matthew 8.20, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He didn't even have a home, church. And yet, (laughs) Jesus gave his entire life away. He didn't own a single thing, but he lived his life in stewardship to God and stewardship to the things of this world that he owned nothing And yet, he gave away everything he had. Jesus was not on a quest for more and more and more. He didn't believe that lie that Adam and Eve fell for. And because of that, he's our great example of our relationship things. And then the last part of this is that Jesus' relationship with people. You see, something I failed to mention earlier is that when you blame other people, you know what happens? When you blame other people, you elevate yourself above them. And you push them down. And they're subjected then to the punishment of the consequences of what you're blaming them for, right? That's what blame does. Blame When I blame other people, I lift myself up and I push you down because you deserve to be down there. That's what blame does. And this, to me, is the most stark contrast between Adam and Eve and Jesus when it comes to the stewardship of relationships. In his relationship with people, Jesus restored godly biblical stewardship. Instead of blaming people for their sins, which would be so easy to do, Jesus took on the sins of the world for himself. You see that? That is amazing stewardship. Instead of blaming the people for the sins which we all have committed, Jesus said, I will take your sins. Put your sins on me. And I will own up to it. And I will take responsibility for your shortcomings so that you don't have to face the penalty of the things that you have done. And instead of blaming us and pushing us down so that we can face the consequences of our shortcomings, Jesus elevated people and took on the consequences of sin for himself. Totally flipping around what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve blamed everything else instead of themselves. Not only did he take on the sins of the world, he then (laughs) provided salvation for anyone. 
for anyone who repents and seeks to know Jesus. For anyone who says, okay, Jesus, I get it. I see your example. Let me follow it. I've fallen short. I've messed up. In your mercy and grace, would you forgive me? Because I am a sinner saved by grace. People like that, with that heart, Jesus says, come into the kingdom. (laughs) You're mine. And he offers us this divine grace. Oh, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of this world. And instead of blaming and punishing people, Jesus takes the punishment, offers grace and forgiveness, offers love, and he offers anyone who seeks salvation that gift to all. call to be godly, biblical stewards. Despite of what happened in Genesis with Adam and Eve, the call to be godly, biblical stewards still remains in effect, church. Do you know that? We are still called by God to be godly, biblical stewards in our relationship with Him in our relationship with the things of this world, and in our relationships with each other. And Jesus is the beautiful example of how we live into that. Sin changed the relationship Adam and Eve had with God, with creation, and with each other. But Jesus redeems that. And he gives us an example of what life can be like living out biblical stewardship. And I wondered sometimes, what would have happened if after Adam and Eve sinned, they fell, and in that time of hiding and shame, what if they came out of the cover of darkness and fell before God and humbly said, Lord, We messed up. We shouldn't have taken that fruit or ate from that tree in the garden. You told us not to. We, we sinned. In your mercy, would you forgive us? I wonder what would have happened in that moment. I'd like to think that God would look upon Adam and Eve with grace and compassion and kindness and restore the relationship that they once had with God. That's what I believe God would have done. But we won't know because that's not what happened. We can't know what would have happened. All we can do is know what can happen When we live our lives with that same repentant spirit towards God, 
in stewardship of our relationship with God, with things of this world, and with each other. We can't go back, but we can look forward. And we can look forward to a God who we know responds to repentant hearts and the desire to be in right relationship with Him, owning our sin and our shortcomings and seeking God's favor and His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness. The one thing I do know is this, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible teaches. This is what restores a relationship with God. It heals the relationship we have, not only with God, but with creation, with the things of this world, as God transforms our hearts to be people, not just desiring a lust for more things, but desiring a deeper relationship with God. Turning our hearts from the things of this world to the things of God. And when God has captured your heart, even the relationships that you have with one another can be renewed and restored and reconciled for His glory. I want to conclude with this amazing verse that you're all familiar with if you've been a part of the church. It's from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. Hear the word of the Lord today. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered. My prayer is that we make our way back to the genesis of stewardship. Back to God's original intent and plan for his relationship with us, our relationship with creation, and also with each other. Will you bow your heads and join me in this prayer? Father in heaven, you created each of us your image and likeness. That we might bear your image and radiate that into this world, Lord God. Your call for us to be good stewards, biblical stewards, still remains. Help us, Father in heaven, to find our way to restore this relationship with you in such a way that sin does not mar your image in us. But instead, Lord God, we would be a beautiful reflection of who you are in this world. Because we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. O Spirit of God, transform us. Turn our hearts toward you. Restore our relationship, Father in heaven, and let not the desires of this world become ours. 
restore our relationship with creation in the most biblical and holy way because we want to be people who care for this world because this is your world and you created it. And I pray, Father in heaven, that as you change us and transform us into your likeness, may the relationships that we have with the people around us, our loved ones, may that thrive and flourish. May we stop being people who blame others and and, and push them down to elevate ourselves. And instead, may we be people like Jesus who lift others up and take on the weight of other people's burdens so that we can be a blessing to all. Father in heaven, may we be godly, biblical stewards for your glory today. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.